what is going on everyone welcome to the bats cave this is the pop culture podcast where i talk about everything in the world of comics movies video games tv shows and more i'm your host alex bats uh before i get into today's episode i wanted to shout out my youtube channel if you don't or you're not if you haven't seen it or if you're not subscribed uh, i would appreciate you checking it out it's the bats cave with two t's same name as the podcast um i actually started uploading this podcast to youtube again recently not with video um, but just the audio is going up again. Uh, if you listen to the last episode, you know that. If you saw it on my YouTube, you'll know. Uh, thank you to those that have been watching my YouTube videos, giving me feedback uh, and all that. I really appreciate it. They've been doing pretty well. I'm averaging like 100 views-ish per video, um, which is really cool. I'm nearing 200 subscribers. So again, if you listen to this and you haven't checked out my YouTube, please be sure to go do that. Uh, I'll have it linked well, I was going to say I'll have it linked down in the description of the YouTube video, which is kind of counterintuitive because you'd have to be on my YouTube already to see that. But anyways, uh, yeah, be sure to go check that out. I have a uh, script that I'm finishing up tonight for Friday's video. This podcast will go live on Wednesday. Uh, so if you're watching it, listening to it whenever it goes live, two days from now, there'll be a new video up. I upload videos every Monday and Friday on my YouTube. Uh, so this episode that's going to be going up on Friday, not the podcast episode, but the video, is going to be the first one that's, uh, I've done, like, a Bats React that's not specifically Batman, like, related, but, uh, this next one is going to be my most, uh, non-strictly comic-related video so far, and, uh, I'm really excited for that one. It's a, it's an interesting topic. It's a topic that I'll touch on a little bit later in this video, uh, for reasons that will be clear when we get to them. But yeah, so as you can tell by the title, I am talking about The Last of Us Part 2. So uh, first, I've done this with all the reviews that I've ever done on podcasts, uh, even dating way back to the Omni Comics podcast days. If you know and understand that reference, you're a real one. I appreciate you. Um, but so we would always do spoiler free thoughts first, and then I'll give a spoiler warning and I'll go into spoiler stuff. Uh, because there's a lot here. I don't know how long I'm going to make this episode. I don't know how... Because I have a lot of thoughts about this game. There is a lot to say, but part of it is kind of hard for me to get through. I'm going to do my best, of course. You'll definitely finish this episode knowing my general stance on the game i mean if you follow me on twitter you'll know generally i love this game i'll just go ahead and say that i absolutely fucking love this game it's my new favorite game of all time it uh but there's a lot of moving parts there's a lot of factors with this game and um i don't know how well i'll be able to articulate and get through all of that in a live format because uh, I don't edit these podcasts down. I don't go through and cut anything. I don't. I try to just keep it loose, keep it very genuine and real. That's kind of what I wanted to do with this podcast from the beginning when I started it. I don't. I literally, all the editing that I do is like audio cleanup as far as sound quality. I don't go through. I don't cut anything. I don't do any of that. Um, so, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how I do with that. Um, like I said, I have a lot of thoughts. I ha- I'm planning on writing an article for one of the sites that I write for, or maybe a different site. I don't know yet um, about this game at some point. I have an idea for one. I might also make a video for my YouTube for it. I don't know. I'm still tossing that back and forth around in my head. Uh, but those, the article definitely, whenever I do get to that, will be much um, more well-spoken and uh, thought out because obviously it's easier to sit down and not have to continue talking on the spot about a topic when you can just sit there and um, when I can sit there and stare at my keyboard for however many minutes to find the the perfect word in the 56th sentence of the article you know so um, yeah all that said though uh, my spoiler free thoughts on this game one uh, before I even I guess get into that this was my most anticipated game ever really um before this it was god of war 2018 which um was before this game came out my favorite game it took the spot of the first last of us so yeah like the when the first last of us came out it was 
uh, I'm sure as many of you know, like the swan song of the PS3, and it was really showing what that console could do and the best of what a video game on it could be. And it, um, I played it through the first game in one sitting, basically. I played for eight hours. I woke up at like, fuck, I don't remember what time. I woke up and um, started playing it because I had to like download and install the night before. And, and so I started playing it and I played for eight hours straight. And then I took like a 30 minute break. I had my friend, my best friend was with me and he was sitting there watching me play through it because you can do that with this game. It's just such a strong narrative. Um, and so he was with me and I sat there and I played through eight hours, took a break for like 30 minutes and eight, and then came back and played through another eight hours and finished it. So I played the whole first game in a day in one sitting essentially. And um, yeah, it's literally, I mean, it's a masterpiece. Every I, I think it's pretty universally praised as being a masterpiece and uh, rightfully so. I think and so there was that and I for years because um, you know obviously there was speculation like back in the day about whether or not they would or should make a sequel to the game and uh, I didn't think that they needed to obviously I know a lot of people didn't think that they needed to and so and I for a long I didn't think that we were gonna get one and I was okay with that and so then this game was announced and I immediately of course lost my mind but then I was also like man they, they have like the highest bar to live up to they have the highest expectations with this like they're coming off what was my favorite game of all time what I know is a lot of people's favorite game what is arguably one of the greatest games period and they're making a sequel to it so the bar was astronomical and so I was optimistic that they could do it, given the studio's history. I mean, Uncharted 4 is really a testament to what Naughty Dog can do um, in a more modern setting, at least. Like, that's an obviously more recent release that's using the PS4 technology that's showing what they can do there. And so I had no doubt from a technical level that they could uh, exceed that bar. It was the narrative that I didn't know about, and it was going to be really interesting and um it's something that i've heard a, a, the term that i see a lot of people use and even Neil Druckmann said this was that they had to justify the game's existence they had to justify why this story needed to be told after the first game and i think they did that i think they did that in spades and i'll get more into why later but for me, they definitely did justify... And see, it's interesting because I also, like... One of, I, I've probably talked about it on this podcast before, but one of the things that I don't like that people say when it comes to artistic endeavors, whether it be movies or comics or shows or games or whatever, is, oh, we didn't need that. No one asked for that. Well, yeah. I mean, no one asked for Batman Begins when that came out. You know, but I'm pretty sure we're all thankful that we got it. Like, no one, most of your favorite movies or comics or games, like, you didn't, I didn't ask for The Last of Us, the first one. I didn't think that we need, I didn't think we needed another quote-unquote zombie game that's a long escort mission. And it's, you know, if you just strip everything away and want to um, oversimplify it, it's a long escort mission with zombies. That's what the first game is at, from a, like, straight just bare bones perspective but it worked it's so much more than that and so i think i don't like the argument of we didn't need this we didn't ask for this we didn't want this because i feel like that's not applicable to art because a lot of the time you don't know what you need or want or will love seeing it's not until you get it that you're like okay like this is what i wanted this is what i needed um so that's one thing um, with that said, though, I think I do agree with the sentiment that justification for this story as far as making it live up to the expectations that are there, I guess, is the best way to say that. I don't know, because I do, I don't think the game needed to justify its existence. I think the game needed to justify its narrative. 
if that makes sense. And I think it did that. So uh, obviously I can't talk that much about the story without getting into spoilers. So I'll kind of avoid that. Just know that I love it. I think that it only could have been told the way that it was told. I think it's an extremely powerful story. Probably the most powerful story I've experienced. Um, it hit me for a variety of reasons. It plays with narrative structure in a way that I can only applaud. I absolutely love unconventional narrative structure. And if anything, whether it be a comic, a movie, or a video game, or whatever, uses unconventional narrative structure and does it well, I will absolutely love it even more. It's just one of those things for me that just gets me every time. And I would also like to note, doing something well is not the same thing as, especially when it comes to narrative. Doing something well is not the same thing as it doing what you wanted it to do. And I think that's a very slippery slope, and I'll talk about that more later. But um, yeah, I think the story could only have been told the way that it was told. I'm glad they took this approach to it. I think it worked. And yeah, I really love the story. All the characters are fantastic. They feel real and genuine. They You can relate to them. You can empathize with them you can feel their struggles, you can, they're people, and the motion capture, of course, is a huge part in this, they use state-of-the-art motion capture for all these performances, and they're just incredible, like, if you could give these people Oscars, oh my god, please, give Ashley Johnson an Oscar for her performances, Ellie, like, I wish that we could do that, um, and yeah, so all the performances are amazing, the voice acting, the acting itself is just phenomenal, the character work is great, Everyone has their journey that they're going on, which is one of the main things about this game. This game is about perspective. It's about acknowledging the existence and the struggles and the emotions and the just everything about the people around you that your actions don't exist in a vacuum. They're not... I don't know how else to elaborate on that until later, but yeah, all the characters are great. I really love... Um, the relationships that we see for them, um, the story itself is, again, it's a, it's a simple plot, but it's not a simple story. I watched a video from the Girlfriend Reviews YouTube channel recently, which I'll link this video down below. It's a great video. You should watch it. It's like, it's like under nine minutes and it's one of the best analysis, analyses, I don't know, the plural for analysis of this game that I've seen and it's it's a less than nine minute video they managed to throw memes in there too and it's just really great um, but they mentioned in that video that plot and story are not the same thing and that's very true because the plot of this game is a revenge narrative it's about Ellie going for revenge but that's not the story the story is much more than that this is a story about trauma tra ah, trauma the cycle of violence forgiveness and um, a lot more and so, yeah, they do that well. Um, I think that's all that's non-spoilery that I could talk about the story that I enjoyed. Just know that I loved it. Um, from a technical perspective, from a technical uh, standpoint, this game is nothing short of phenomenal. It's the best-looking game I've played on my PS4. One of the best-looking games I've played, period. Uh, there's just so, so much attention to every detail really not just detail but every detail in this game it just is jaw-dropping to see to walk around to play through to experience um the photo mode is amazing i didn't use it that much on my first playthrough because i wasn't trying to um kind of stop I, I like took my time with my playthrough it took me i played 16 hours straight and then i took a break and slept and then i finished it i think it was like eight more hours. I think it took me like 24 or 25 hours or so. My, I might have played for 10 hours the second time because I think it took me like 26 hours to beat the game. So I didn't like speed through it, but I, um, you know, that, that was just what I did for like a day and a half. Um, and so, yeah, I didn't, I didn't use the photo mode that much uh, my first playthrough. I haven't, I haven't gone through and played it through a second time yet because I'm not emotionally ready, I guess. Um, but yeah, the photo mode is really cool. I did mess with it like three or four times just to 
you know, see. I love photo modes in games, um, and this one's great. It's really cool to, to play. It really, it's just, it's such a gorgeous game. Everything, there's so much detail. I, I was reading this article the other day from, I don't remember what website I saw it on, but it was um, the people involved with sound design for the game, and just, like, reading, it was just, I mean, the, the article was gigantic, honestly. It was such a big read. It was a really great read, but it's just them talking about all the noise sampling that they had to get for everything. Like, they recorded different noises for walking patterns with, you know, sneakers, boots, uh, bare feet, feet with socks. They recorded how the different types of guns shuffle across, like, shuffle against your clothing, whether it be, like, pistols, rifles, a bow and arrow, a shotgun, a flamethrower, uh, how they interact when you're crouching or walking or if you're prone, how you step in glass like it changes based on how much glass is on the floor the sound will be different whether or not you're crouched it's just there's so many things that go into making this experience that it's it's just incredible that and then on the other side like of sound design aside from just like straight up that kind of sound effects there's also the 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 music that goes into it and it's it's a, such a crazy thing to think about because the game is programmed in a way all games are programmed like this but just thinking about it in the sense that there are certain musical cues that hit based on where the player is at that level and being able to have this constant loop of music to where it doesn't stop but it does hit these certain notes and these certain beats whenever you're in a certain spot and just having to find that sound in the first place and then know when to implement that sound to create this atmosphere to just tie everything together and then mix that with the score and then mix that with all the physical sounds and interactions that are going it's just such a and like that's just the sound part of the game and there's just so much that goes into that alone and then you have the other side of things where you go from concept art and environmental design level design gameplay mechanics like the melee system the shooting system the cover system the user interface, what it looks like when you're opening your weapon across, you're crafting, you're um, doing upgrades to your weapon. There's just so many different things that go into this, and they're all so fine-tuned and so, so spot-on, and so there's so much care and detail put into it that it's just, it's incredible. It, yeah, I just, it's so insane to me thinking about and reading about and seeing all of the work just the work and the time that goes into that is just mind-blowing to me um and yeah so from a technical level it's just it's fucking amazing it's such a good game it looks stunning it sounds amazing it plays extremely well the gameplay is so smooth and fluid and really uh terrifying at times this game is partially a horror game i think that's something that doesn't get talked about with this series enough there are some major horror inspirations in this game i read an article that was talking about all the like classic horror films that you can draw comparisons to for this game which is crazy because i didn't even think about it in that sense i'm not a huge horror fan i like horror films but it's not like my go-to and i'm not really a big horror game person i played outlast and i played pt which pt is still the most terrifying thing that i've ever experienced um but I'm not a huge, I like, I haven't played any of the Resident Evil games or anything like that, but um, I've seen comparisons drawn between what some of the things that this game does, some of the level design and some of the gameplay design, and some comparisons that can be drawn to earlier and now um, current Resident Evil stuff. Apparently, it got kind of weird in the middle there. I'm not too sure about that, because, again, I'm not a huge Resident Evil fan, but... Um, and just seeing those comparisons and be like, okay, like, I can see that. Like, this is a horror game at times, and it's fucking terrifying. Like, there are some times where I'm literally, I was like, oh my god, this is so scary. And, um, so it does that extremely well, too. It, uh, yeah, it just balances and, and hits all of these different notes from a technical and a narrative perspective and experience. And it really, it does it so well. One of the other things about the story that I guess I can mention is it does a really good job of balancing levity in times that it needs it. Because this is a world that is, I mean, it's fucked up. It's a dark place. It's not a, like, it's a, not a nice world to live in. But there are moments of reprieve and moments of levity and, and earnestness and heart and you feel that and it helps ground these characters in the story and 
really brings home the fact that these are real people and you really it's able to make you relate to these experiences more even though they're in this crazy post-apocalyptic i use apocalyptic loosely but i mean post you know normal society world where everything is falling apart and there's a fungal infection that has turned people into monsters and so as as like sort of outlandish as that is it feels real still and genuine because of these moments that are in there where you're like okay these are like I've experienced this feeling with other people that I know before even though I obviously you haven't you know you've not been in this situation that these people are in specifically because you know we don't have a fungal infection turning people into zombies but you can the feeling is still there and you can relate to that and that really helps ground it and break up the darkness and the horror that is present in the story because again it so it is a dark story and it's very i mean it's fucked up honestly that's the most blunt way to put it it's there are terrible things that happen in the story and it's hard to to watch and to see and to experience but i don't think that they are like that just for the sake of darkness and uh being grotesque and being terrible it's all in the service of the story and the characters and so yeah it's um I don't know, like I said at the beginning, there's a lot there. Uh, I think that's most of the thoughts that I can give about the game that's spoiler-free. I It's a 10 out of 10 for me. Masterpiece, 5 stars, 2 thumbs up, whatever. Your perfect score thing that you can give it, uh, I would give it. I absolutely recommend it to... I want to say everyone, but it's not for everyone. Um, but yeah, I love it. I Absolutely, it's... It's my favorite game, and uh, I'm, I can't wait to replay it, but as I said at the beginning, it's one of those things where it's an emotional journey, and um, it's something that, like, I know I'll take a lot longer playing it through this time, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess around with the photo mode a lot, but um, yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic game in my book. I absolutely love it. So um, with that, we're going to get into spoilers. Um, so if you haven't played the game, or if you haven't seen spoilers and you care about them, uh, which at this point, I feel like most people know all the spoilers, but I just wanted to give a spoiler warning anyway. If you haven't played the game, um, stop listening now if you care about spoilers. If you don't care, or if you have played it, or if you already know the spoilers, obviously continue listening. So we're going to get into it. Uh, last chance for a spoiler warning after this. I'm going to be talking about them. So yeah, the spoilers for this game. Um, first off, the whole fucking game leaked like two months early, basically all the plot details, um, out of context plot details, I will add, and that context context is extremely important, but, um, yeah, everything leaked and people were losing their minds, I managed to avoid all of the spoilers until this game's release, uh, because I absolutely did not want this game spoiler for me, I started, I stopped going on my Twitter timeline, I stopped looking at the YouTube homepage for a while, for a couple weeks, or like a month, then I figured it had been enough time, to where I could go on there and it wasn't going to be the only thing that people were talking about and I was right but even then I still was sparingly on the timeline because I just really did not want this experience uh, this experience ruined for me and um I saw that I knew that people were mad I knew there was a lot of anger about some of the narrative decisions in this game and I could only speculate about what those were so the first one which I felt like this was kind of a given for the game's plot in the first place is the fact that Joel dies. Joel dies very early on in the game. He dies in the prologue, essentially. And this was something that I kind of guessed was going to happen because we knew it was a revenge story. We've seen clips of Ellie saying, like, I'm going to kill every last one of them. They're going to pay for what they did. And so I was like, okay, well, I mean, realistically, like, someone died and Ellie wants revenge for that. And who's the most obvious answer? It's like sometimes the answer is the simplest one and then that's Joel and so Joel did die in this the other thing that I was curious about or that I thought was possibly going to happen was I thought that Ellie was maybe going to die and honestly I spent most of the time playing this game thinking that Ellie was going to die at the end she doesn't and I'm sort of I'm happy kind of that I had that thought in my mind the whole time because I had like accepted that sort of I wasn't exactly happy about it but I was I'd come to terms with it 
and then it didn't happen and i was like holy shit this is even more powerful to me now because it's the complete opposite of what i thought was going to happen so the first one joel dying this uh has pissed a lot of people off and let me say that's the fucking point you're not like you're not and this is the part in my video or in the podcast where and it'll happen a multi multiple times going forward throughout this rest of this analysis slash review or discussion or whatever the fuck you want to call it where people are going to jump ship and they're not going to agree with me on this if you haven't already because i know a lot of people have very strong opinions on this game probably don't agree with the praise that i've already thrown it at the beginning of this but from here on out i know i'm going to lose a lot of people and frankly i don't care it i'm sorry but I'm also not that sorry. But like the it, you are supposed to fucking hate the fact that this happens. Like do you, you hate the like yeah I hate the fact that Joel died. But that's why it fucking works. It's supposed like you are supposed to be absolutely furious about that because you know why? Now you're Ellie. You just watched this man that you spent you know the entire first game through with and bonding with and then the seven years if you played it at release since then he's lived in your mind and your memory as this person and now he is unceremoniously brutally and just in he doesn't have a heroic death because frankly in life very rarely do you get a heroic death death is never timely and even less than that is it heroic it's it just doesn't really happen that's a fairy tale thing. It's something that happens in movies. That's not what this is. He gets killed. He gets killed brutally. It's disturbing. It happens right in front of Ellie. You're pinned to the ground. You're helpless. You can only watch it happen. And it pisses you the fuck off. And it should. You should feel that heartbreak. You should feel that rage. That is exactly what the story is trying to do. You are now in Ellie's shoes. You now are like, yeah, fuck these people, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get revenge on them because that's what they deserve. That is exactly the narrative beat that the story is going for. And it fucking worked. Even if you didn't like the fact that they did it, it worked because you're angry. That's what's supposed to happen. And that is some fucking top tier storytelling. If you can, like, and it's obvious that they did elicit that amount of rage just look on twitter for five seconds look at the hashtag for a couple minutes you'll see people angry about it still you'll see people that didn't finish the game angry about it and you know what they achieved what they were going with that story beat that it worked um and so yeah that's yeah joel dying sucks it's supposed to fucking suck it's not a good thing like it, of course, like, selfishly, yeah, you would want Joel to live and you'd want to be able to, you know, play as him more and go on. The, but, like, that's not the story. That's not what's supposed to happen here. And so, yeah, it works. It um, It is really interesting narratively and from a structure, a gameplay and narrative structure, that you get control of Abby for a little bit before this happens. So you've already experienced life in her shoes for a little bit and you've experienced this life or death situation. Now... I will say, whenever you, because you get control of Abby uh, during the storm, she's trying to, you know, survive and get to safety. So you're in a bunch of life and death situations, and Joel and Tommy actually save you. And it sucks because, as I said, going into the game, I assumed, and most people either knew and or assumed that Joel was going to die. And when Joel and Tommy show up to save you, Abby's already been talking with her friends about looking for someone. You can infer that someone is probably Joel. When Joel and Tommy show up to save you, you're like, oh, fuck. This is who she's looking for. This is who I'm the player looking for because I'm controlling her and experiencing her life right now. This is the person they want to kill. This is the person that I care about deeply because I've spent so much time with them. Now they're probably going to die. I might be the one to do it at this point. Oh, fuck. Oh, no. And it's this feeling of dread and this feeling of tension. And it works so, so well. And so that's the first time that you get to control Abby. And it, again, serves a really strong narrative purpose. And so that happens. And then you switch in your Ellie and Joel and Tommy having come back. You've been Ellie for a little bit because you've been on patrol with Dina, which their relationship, by the way, is so fucking good. Their relationship is great. Dina is the light to Ellie's darkness throughout this game. She is the 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 guiding north 
on her compass that is trying to keep her from spiraling completely down into this darkness. And it fucking, they bounce off of each other so well. Um, Shannon Woodard, I think, is the actress for uh, Dina. She was on Westworld. I believe I got her name right, I think. I'm going to look it up just to make sure because I don't want to be wrong. Shannon Woodward. Okay, I've left out a W. But yeah, she's Dina. She does a great, great um, way of doing that. And so, yeah, it, their relationship is great throughout the game. I'll get more into that in a little bit, I guess. But so then you're Ellie and you're trying to save Joel. You try to find him and you do find him. And as I said, you get overwhelmed and you can't do anything as you watch Joel being beat to death with a golf club and so naturally after this happens the revenge plot starts and you are doing everything you can now to get revenge for these people and let me say this this is one of the parts that's kind of harder for me is that I relate to Ellie a lot because of this moment and this desire um a few years ago it was a little over five years ago now i lost my father to cancer and so any time media has anything where someone loses a father it automatically gets to me for obvious reasons and so seeing ellie's father and by extension your father because you're the player being murdered and taken from her is something that obviously hurts and very much hits me and in Ellie's case she has a face she has people that she can attribute to and blame and seek out retribution against for what happened to her father for the loss of her father and I can tell you if I had something physical that I could seek out revenge for for the loss of my father there would be nothing that could stop me from doing that and trying to do that it would absolutely be i'm going to make this person this thing pay for what they just took from me and what they've cost me it's an emotional trauma that you that i don't yet have full closure on i don't know if i ever will it's something that ellie has just experienced on top of all the other loss and trauma that she's already gone through at this point, which is an extreme amount from the Left Behind DLC for the first game and the entire first game, all the people that she's lost. I mean, there's the quote from the first game where she says, everyone I have ever cared for has either left me or died, except for you. She yells at Joel. And now Joel's gone too. And so yeah, she's going to do anything that she can for revenge for him and as a player and myself as a player you're like fuck yeah we're doing this and myself i was like fuck yeah we're doing this we're getting this revenge because that's a catharsis that i personally can't get in the same way but i can vicariously get that through ellie now and so then However, you start on this dangerous path because the game really, as I said, the plot is a revenge plot, but the story is about the cycle of violence. It's living with trauma. It's experiencing this trauma and it's about breaking that cycle and it's about closure and it's about forgiveness. And so you go on this harrowing journey as Ellie. You go to Seattle where the WLF, which is the Washington Liberation Front or the Wolves which are the people that Abby is with the group community whatever um and so you go to Seattle because you're searching for her and her friends and you spend three days in Seattle as Ellie and all the while so you experience one day and kill god knows how many people quote unquote and I mean they are innocent people a lot of the people that you kill didn't do anything to you they're just trying to live but they're in the way of your goal so it's a quote-unquote necessary evil and it's justified in your mind because they're standing between you and the person who took your father from you so 
they have to get out of the way. And they're not just going to let you get to Abby. So, of course, you mow them down. You do this with countless people, uh, countless infected, who those are more, you know, obviously you don't feel bad about killing them, really. They're already dead, essentially. Um, so you do that. And then the game does a really interesting thing. At the end of the first day, we get a flashback to, I believe it's three years prior, and it's Ellie's birthday, and you get a sequence with Ellie and Joel going to a museum in... I don't remember where the museum is, but you get this and you even experience there's a space section in the museum, which if you know, Ellie loves space. She says that she would have loved to be an astronaut. It's her dream to go to space. So you get to see this and experience all this. And it's a very, very heartfelt and endearing sequence of bonding with Joel and Ellie. You really get this father-daughter relationship with them. And it really brings you back to that and to the feelings of the first game that build over the course of the first game as these two bond and realize how much they care about each other. And it's an interesting contrast too, because at the beginning of the game, you feel this wedge that's between Ellie and Joel, and you're not 100% sure why it's there. You have suspicions that obviously it's because of Joel's decision at the end of the first game to save Ellie's life at the expense of a cure for humanity, and you don't know for 98% of the game, well, you don't know for like 80% of the game, if Ellie knows the full truth about what he did. And so you see this bonding with them, and then you go through day two. And day two, you commit even more atrocities. You cross more lines. You spiral more and more into darkness. And that's really Ellie's journey for most of this game is continuing to spiral and continuing to do terrible, terrible things at the cost of her loved ones. You learn over the course of this that Dina is pregnant with Jesse, who's another character in, in the game from Jackson, um, with his child. And so you have your now girlfriend is pregnant with a child and you're out there on this revenge quest that you didn't need to be on you're doing it for closure and you're doing it for revenge and you're doing it for yourself and you justify it by doing it for joel but you're putting people that are still alive in mortal danger to do it you're putting yourself on the line to do this and you're committing increasingly violent and terrible acts in the name of this quest and you are supposed to question this you're Friends start to question this. Your girlfriend and Dina starts to question this. The player, hopefully, will start to question this a little bit. But you'll still keep pushing on. You'll still keep pushing forward because Abby took this from you and you have to take everything from her. And so you go through day two and do this. You get another flashback uh, to two years prior. This one's more so exploring the wedge that is between Ellie and Joel. And uh, you see that, how it's kind of grown a little bit. And you get back and forth with them and you you know that Ellie suspects that Joel hasn't told her the whole truth. And it just keeps escalating in that sense. And so you're getting more information about their relationship as you go through and forward with her quest to avenge him post his death. And so then you go through day three and day three... I... The way the narrative structure is, I'm kind of blanking on the order, actually. But you go through day three, continue committing these these atrocities, and the day ends, and you've now, at this point, killed all of Abby's friends. This has resulted in the death of a pregnant woman who you didn't know was pregnant when you killed her, but it didn't matter because she was there and helped in the death of Joel in Ellie's eyes, and so for that she dies. And it's an extremely horrifying event when you do it and you play through it. It's terrible, but again, you're like, the ends in this scenario justify the means. That's what you keep telling yourself. That's what Ellie keeps telling herself. So you go through that, and then you get the flashback uh, to one year ago, and Ellie has returned to the hospital that she was at at the end of the first game that Joel saved her from quote-unquote saved her from and she's found a recording of one of the fireflies mentioning that the only doctor they mentioned that Joel left with the girl 
and that it didn't matter anyways because the only doctor that could have done anything with the cure has been killed. And so Ellie obviously knows that Joel killed him. Joel shows up and she demands that Joel tell her the truth, the whole truth, and that maybe if he tells her the truth, she can forgive him. But if he lies again, then they're done completely. And, um, or the, he, she says she'll go back to Jackson if he tells her the truth. And so Joel tells her that it was either her life or a cure, and he stopped them from doing it. And Ellie is absolutely repulsed by this and cannot believe that he took that choice from her. And she goes back to Jackson, but she says that they're done, that there is nothing between them anymore. That she doesn't want anything to do with him, really. And so that's the the last crescendo of Ellie's past arc as you crescendo with her current arc. And then the game does something very interesting that a lot of people really hate. And this is one of the things that I was talking about with narrative. So they've already played with narrative structure and the use of present day time going forward and then the flashbacks starting in the past further and then going forward and intercutting those with the days. That's already an interesting narrative thing to do. Then Naughty Dog takes it a step further and you wake up in Seattle on day one as Abby. And this is where the game I know lost a lot of people if it didn't lose them with Joel's death. Because now a lot of people say that the game wants you to sympathize with the villain and is trying to make the villain the hero. And no, that is not what happens here. I will admit, whenever this first happened, I started playing as Abby on day one, and I was playing a little bit, and I got like maybe 30 minutes in, and I picked this thing up, this like supply up, and it mentioned like upgrading my items. And it was at this point when I got the option to upgrade items as Abby, I was like, okay, this is going, we're going to go through all days of Seattle from Abby's perspective now. And admittedly, I'd been playing for 16 hours at this point. I was like, okay, you know what? This is probably a good time to stop, to, you know, pause. And so I did. And I was a little, I guess, sort of rubbed the wrong way. Cause I was like, man, I don't really want to, you know, go through all this as Abby. I kind of hate her, you know, for what she's done. Um, and especially at this point, because right before this happens, right before this flash, you are, you've really crescendos with what you think is going to be the climax of the game. Because after Ellie kills Abby's last two friends at the aquarium, she goes back to the theater and they're going to leave. And then Abby shows up and she kills Jesse. She's assaulted Tommy and she's got a gun in your face. And that's where that climax halts for a moment. And then the game flips things and you wake up Seattle day one as Abby. And so, yeah, again, at this point, I played for a little bit. And then whenever I realized that it was going to be a long, long play time as Abby, I was like, okay, you know what? I'll take a break. I'll sleep. And then I'll continue playing whenever I wake up. And so I did. I slept and started playing again. And yeah, the game goes through three days in Seattle from Abby's perspective and it also does the same thing where it incorporates flashbacks to previous years starting the furthest away and then getting progressively closer in time to the present where you really so over the course of the days it's so interesting because you experience day one and you get a sense of Abby's life you get to experience her friendship with these people that at this point you've killed you know some of their fates because you sealed it in your actions as Ellie over the course of the three days. And so it's extremely haunting seeing this camaraderie, seeing this friendship, seeing this care between Abby and these people because you're like, like I killed these people in three days or less from when we're experiencing this moment as you're playing as Abby. And so it's a very strong narrative device where you know where these characters end up at a certain point you know what they're heading towards and you can't do anything about it except experience 
how they acted with each other before, and you can't help but empathize and grow attached to these characters because, like I said, at first I was kind of resistant to playing as Abby, but over the course of these three days, I really grew to care about her as a character because you walk a mile in her shoes, you experience her life, you experience not only these present day things, but through these flashbacks that I'll also say mirror the flashbacks from Ellie's perspective, you get bonding time with Abby's father in the first flashback. You see their back and forth, and it's reminiscent, and it's obviously different because they're different characters, but it's very similar in, in the way that you bond with Joel in the first game and the flashbacks that happened in this one. You see that love between a father and daughter, and you experience that, and you also find out that this father of Abby's father is the doctor that Joel killed at the end of the first game to save Ellie's life and so this revenge against Joel isn't something minor it's the same reason that Ellie's going for revenge against Abby because Joel took Abby's father and now Abby took Ellie's father so she wants to enact revenge on Abby it's so it's a cycle it's a cycle of violence and it's extremely strong and you now are able to experience and see why Abby did what she did and whether or not she's justified in that is of course up to your discretion but you at the very least understand why she did it whether or not you agree with it you probably won't but you can see why and that's a very powerful thing for the game to do and so you experience that, and then you experience this flashback with Al with Abby and Owen, who's her boyfriend at one point in the past, but then not in the present. They have a very interesting relationship, uh, but they are experiencing this aquarium that's a huge set piece in the game, um, and that ex uh, the aquarium excursion very much mirrors Ellie's excursion at the museum with Joel. Um, there's a lot of shots with Abby and Ellie that really tell a lot narratively via a lack of character uh, with Abby sitting there injured and then in Ellie's perspective where she is being um, nursed by Dina. The lighting is very, it's a very, the game has so many moments like this and so many parallels and symmetries like this when it comes to Abby and Ellie. And you really do, you walk a mile in Abby's shoes, you experience these three days as her, you experience these past events as her, you really feel and understand why she's doing what she does, and also, the entire game is about perspective. On top of those other themes that I mentioned prior, it's very much about perspective and making you realize that there are no villains, quote-unquote, in this story. There is not an antagonist exactly. Abby is the antagonist, sort of, but she's the antagonist for Ellie's story as much as Ellie and Joel are the antagonist for Joel's story. We just have a prior attachment and a prior commitment to Joel and Ellie because of the time that we spent with them in the first game. That's why we, as players and as people, naturally lean towards their side, especially when the game starts, because we already know who these people are. But the important thing is that no one's lives and no one's actions happen in a vacuum. They are not isolated from one another. Everything is connected and every action has a reaction and a consequence and this game is about showing the perspective of that. And you see that when you play as Abby and you experience these three days as Abby. When you visit various sections of, New of Seattle and experience different events either right before or right after the destruction and the chaos that you've caused as Ellie happens. And so it's a very interesting thing the game does narratively at multiple points in the story where you're like, oh shit, I know what's about to happen here, or I know what just happened here, because I caused this myself when I was playing as Ellie. And so it does that a lot of the time, and it's a very tightly woven story of different beats that are hitting at just the right times to hit you with another narrative impact that's just been set up so perfectly. And also, not only is the point of it of playing as Abby for you to experience how the other person feels, and I use other in a philosophical sense, as in not the self, which is how you relate to Ellie for most of the game, because you essentially are her, but to experience the other that is Abby, her entire story also over these three days is about accepting the other 
with the Seraphites slash Scar faction that is a part of the game, um, who are these, I mean, they're extremely religious, uh, they're an extremely religious group, they are sort of violent, I mean, they are violent, but just like the WLF and the rest of the survivors, they're just trying to live. Of course, their means are a lot different and very extreme, and you could obviously disagree with them, but you also, Abby's story is about seeing these two kids from this group, from this faction, and, and, and realizing and spending time with them and understanding that they also, at the end of the day, are people, just like Abby's a person, just like Ellie's a person, just like Joel was a person, and they're all trying to live in this fucked up world that now exists in this universe and so as you're trying to discover and understand the perspective of abby abby's entire story is about understanding and accepting and discovering the perspective of the other and lev and um oh i'm blanking on lev's sister's name um yara has lev and yara and so her entire narrative is also what your narrative as a player is while you're playing the game. And so it's just all these cycles and the symmetry and parallels that are wrapped up into this game. And so then, of course, you get to this. You eventually work your way back to the climax of the game where you're now Abby confronting Ellie at the movie theater. And you it's a quote-unquote boss fight where you are playing as Abby trying to kill Ellie. And it's an extreme case of... It's a very hard thing to do because you're like, I don't want to do this, but the game is forcing you to do this. You don't have a choice. And so you fight Ellie almost to the death. You win, essentially. You could kill Ellie, and then Lev shows up and prevents Abby from killing both Dina and Ellie and you let them live and it's a very it you Abby experiences the forgiveness that Ellie has yet to in this moment she lets it go Ellie has murdered all of her friends and absolutely destroyed Abby's life but in Lev Abby has found the strength and the acceptance to forgive Ellie and let her live and break this cycle. She doesn't need to let this continue. And so you experience that, and then the game cuts forward, and you are playing as Ellie again, and you are on a farm with Dina and Dina's child, and you have a happy life. You have a simple life, and you play, I don't know, probably like 30 ish maybe 40 minutes of this but towards the end of it Ellie has a PTSD attack and she has not been able to move on she can't forgive she doesn't have closure that she needs for this and so and Tommy shows up and says that he knows the whereabouts of Abby and it's a lead and they're in Santa Monica and so Ellie against all better judgment and against what would be better for the family that she now has and the life that she now has she must she feels compelled to go and seek out revenge against abby which starts what i would call the epilogue of the game and so now you're on this journey you're finishing the quest for revenge on abby and you go to santa monica to do this you play as abby a little bit um for a second and she gets captured by this i forget the name of the group that's here but it's another you know faction that these people are very fucked up uh in what they're doing and how they're living but again they're they're surviving in this world this is what they've been reduced to and so then after abby gets captured you are back as ellie and you're seeking her out and you end up finding abby at the very end again you slaughter scores of people in your quest for this in your quest for this vengeance and you eventually find abby and lev and abby has been tortured and malnourished and left to die on a post by the beach and with so many others around her and you cut her down because ellie's also been through hell at this point in this 
in her journey through Santa Monica. She's absolutely beaten and stabbed and um, she's gone through it. And so you, uh, Abby says, there's a boat this way. So you go towards the beach and follow her to this boat. And Abby gets in and then Ellie demands that you fight. She won't let Abby live. She needs this fight. She has to have it. And so, and at first Abby refuses, but then Ellie threatens Lev. She threatens to kill Lev. And so Abby concedes. And so this is where you get the fight that I'm sure a lot of people wanted, where Ellie is trying to kill Abby. You're on pretty even ground now, considering prior to this, Abby was um, much bigger than Ellie. She could definitely and did take her in a fight previously. And now you are fighting Abby to the death. And it's in the moment when you're literally drowning Abby. You're both emotionally spent and physically exhausted. And you're drowning Abby. And Ellie is crying. And there is an insert cut to Joel playing the guitar on his front porch. And Ellie sees this in the moments as she's drowning Abby. And... She's absolutely overcome with emotion and lets go and lets Abby live and just tells Abby to go. And Ellie just sits in her blood and in the water with the waves lapping into the shore and the fog around them and is just sitting there. And and it's in this moment for me that Ellie finally gets and starts to get that closure and that forgiveness that she needs to be able to move on from this pain and to end this cycle of violence and she puts a stop to it and it's incredibly powerful and emotional and it's something i mean i'm choking up now talking about it and then game cuts to Ellie going back to the farm and Dina is gone and Ellie walks through the house and finds a guitar and starts to strum she can't play it properly now because she's lost two of her fingers and then we get the final flashback that we do of the game where we see Ellie and Joel on the porch and it's the rest of the scene that was the insert cut where Joel was playing and it's takes place the night of the dance that is mentioned multiple times throughout the game where Dina and Ellie had kissed and it's Joel accepting Ellie as a person and them bonding more and Ellie says I don't know if I can ever forgive you for that and she means saving her in spite of the possibility for a cure and she says, but then, but I would like to try. And that's the last conversation the two of them ever had. And so you've spent the whole game not knowing that Ellie had accepted and begun to forgive Joel for this. And it's only at the end and remembering that that she has been able to forgive Abby for what Abby did and has been able to get that closure. And Ellie leaves the guitar that the game opened with in the room and leaves the farmhouse. And it's her really closing that chapter of her life and being able to move on and getting that closure that she needed and breaking the cycle and moving forward. And hoping for better and it's it's so fucking good man i'm struggling not to cry now thinking about it because even for me it's it's one of those things where that is the kind of closure that i wish i had and can maybe get and i think this game is actually helping me a little bit in getting that and accepting the way that things are and it's yeah it's so there's so much there it's such a it's such a powerful game and experience and story and it it made me feel and is making me feel every emotion 
there's so much that I still even didn't talk about. There's the scene with Ellie and Dina where Ellie plays um, Take Me On for her, and it's such a good scene. There's the, um, I think it's Future, yeah, Future Days by Pearl Jam is a song that Joel and Ellie play multiple times throughout the game with the lyrics obviously being a very big motif in there. It's the tattoo on Ellie's arm has symbolism too, and the moth being a creature that's constantly drawn to flame and drawn to light and drawn to death, and that's what Ellie is doing for most of the game. And it's just, there's so many, so many layers, and I continuously see more and more things that make me appreciate this game even more than I already did after first finishing it. And... Yeah, it's just something that I I love it so much, and it absolutely broke me in the best way possible, and yeah, I don't, I don't know what else to add or what else to say, but it's, uh, it's a really amazing experience, and again, I said this at the the start it's a story that could only be told in the way that it was i think if you tell it linearly if you take away the flashbacks if you take away abby's perspective you take away what the story was and what it was trying to do and then it's not the same and it doesn't work and something that i mentioned at the very beginning um which i'll drop a hint a little bit my my video on friday is going to be talking about the problem of narrative backlash and I mean that in, in the way that people want these products to, or these pieces of art to be changed or done differently because they didn't like the way that the story was told. And I saw someone say this on Twitter the other day, and I wholeheartedly agree with it. We, as fans, do not have the right to say what is right or wrong in a story that we're not telling. And... Yeah, basically that. This isn't our story to tell. As much as we feel attachment and ownership to these characters and this narrative and, and everything, it's not it's not our story. And that doesn't mean you can't dislike the narrative decisions that were made. Of course you can dislike them and of course you can disagree with them. But I don't think that you can say that they're wrong. I don't think you can objectively say this was the wrong thing to do. You can say this was something that I wouldn't have done or that I don't think should have been done, or that I disagree with, that's fine. Do that civilly, though. And that's a problem that a lot of people don't, um, they don't do, they haven't done. There's a lot of just absolute hate and vile being spewed about this game in particular, and, and it happens for, it's happened a lot recently with any big narrative thing, that comes out that people don't like the choices being made. You can look at The Last Jedi or Game of Thrones Season 8 for, or, or even The Rise of Skywalker for recent examples. When things become so big, there is a certain level of, well, I'm paying for this and I'm invested in this. I want it to go the way that I want it to go. And that's just not how it is. And that's not how this works. And so you can disagree with it. You can dislike it. You can hate it. But it's not your story to tell at the end of the day. And I think that's important to remember and to take into account. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's it, I think. There's, like I said, there's so much that I didn't get into. I didn't want to, you know, break down the entire game and every bullet point for it. I'd literally be sitting here all day if I did that. So I just wanted to get through the main narrative beats, the, the reasons that I think that it works, the reasons I love it. Yeah, I think it's a masterpiece. Like I said at the start, it's my new favorite game of all time. I am very much looking forward to whenever I play it again and the countless times that I'm sure to play it uh, after that. And yeah, I guess now I'll plug social media. If you don't already follow me, go ahead and follow me on Twitter at Batman Files. Uh, if you want, you can follow my personal Twitter at AP Batman with two T's. Um, you can find more opinions there. If you don't, like I said at the beginning, be sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel at The Bats Cave. Uh, new videos every Monday and Friday, new podcast episodes every Wednesday, 
If you made it this far, thank you so much for listening to me ramble about The Last of Us Part 2, even if you didn't agree with everything I had to say. I appreciate you listening. Um, whatever you're using to listen to this on, whether it be Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, uh, Apple Podcast, YouTube, whatever, please leave a thumbs up, a like, a rate, a review, whatever that platform offers. And uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, again, on whatever platform you use. It's very much appreciated. Uh, if you enjoyed this, please be sure to share it. That would be nice on whatever social media platform you prefer. Whatever uh, you, you want to do there is a big help. And just again, thank you for listening. And I'll see you in the next one. Later. <laughs>